Hello, hello, and a welcome to the Dream with Reem show on Right on Q Radio. Right on Here Q on the Radio. Dream with Reem show, we are not limited by logic. We challenge the status quo and we are shifting paradigms. I am your host, DJ Dream, a global frequency healing advisor. I assist people in discovering their gifts so we can amplify the frequency of love on the planet together. Here on the Dream with Reem show, I feature guests from all over the world that have incredible insights and stories so we can continue to elevate our lives together. Today's guest is Lily Walford. Lily is an international dating coach using CIA level behavioral profiling and even body language to help her clients find joy and undeniable love that lasts. Lily will be diving into what is a narcissist and how to identify one. We will also learn how to decode an online dating profile and how to read the cues to tell if someone is lying to you. So let's jump into some music right now. We are going to start off with something to get us in the mood for liars. <laughs> it's a play on words. It is called lion, like the animal. So lion versus lying. And that's by Upright Lions. Then it's going to be Wild Ones by Monique de France, featuring V the Ruler. We will then have New Shit by Downer. And we are going to end this song set with Booed Up by LMI. All right, guys. I will see you on the other side. You are listening to the Dream with Rain show on Right on Q Radio. Right on Q Radio. Just not true. Now I'm a lion, so I roll with the lion flow. You're a lion, that's cause you be lying though. Sight beyond sight, Mary Jane provide the glow. I love Jagger and a whole lot of lion oh. I'm a lion, so I roll with the lion flow. You're a lion, that's cause you be lying though. Sight beyond sight, Mary Jane provide the glow. I love Jagger and a whole lot of lion I swear people used to hate and talk down on me And when I needed them, wasn't no one around for me Except my real homies You got some real homies? I know some niggas that'll point the steel and squeals for me See, that's the pigs, not the niggas Lions live by a different creed Upright the new gen, don't you dare call me baby creed I'll left right you out your baby jeans But chill, I'm trying not to make a scene See, you be lying, so you live by a different code We entice queens, y'all be gassing up Ugly hoes, we be smoking green, y'all sibling and treat your nose. Yeah, this is Vegas, but look, we all know. Don't be all shocked when the woke niggas with the locks walk up, take a couple shots, then shut down your spot. It 
what it is. I'm a lion, you be lying, and that's no way to live. I'm a lion, sorrow with the lion flow. You're a lion, that's cause you be lying though. Sight beyond sight, Mary Jane provide the glow. A little jogger and a whole lot of lion though. I'm a lion, sorrow with the lion flow. You're a lion, that's cause you be lying though. Sight beyond sight, Mary Jane provide the glow. A little jogger and a whole lot of lion though. Does not make decisions by instinct alone. <laughs> make way for the rest of Kanye. You will fast as phonies, cronies, and imposters. In the matter to a shatter, notorious. Come on, nine milli, big papa, and shift a bar dropper. A lot of them no window. Bad dad, call them killing. Why? Cause they wind slow. Menage with the drum, and also with the tempo. Change the game, bumper hole. That's what we've been sent for. Now our cats are kin for. It's a kid show, tell them what it is though Still no believing, bobbing and weaving Bad mind, I shine, offer on reason Some of them are sky, some of them are puma I heard that they got bars, but not believing rumors Headshots, snatch locks, back pops and tumors You lying, you ain't a lion, you don't like it, what's it to you? Now I'm a lion, sorrow with the lion flow You're a lion, that's cause you be lying though Sight beyond sight Mary Jane provided glow A little jogger and a whole lot of lion I'm a lion, so I roll with the lion flow And you're a lion, that's cause you be lying though Sight beyond sight, Mary Jane provided glow A little jogger and a whole lot of lion
mask on like I'm Batman. New suit tie like I'm Bruce Wayne. Long brown hair, she my superwoman. Welcome to the mob, we gon' do things. Left LA up to Chattanooga. Used to move right like I'm out of Cuba. She ain't at the party, she be at the movies. And she ain't gon' take you back like she never knew you. It's funny how this bitch can turn around. That's why I'm just about the money now. Just be real, don't give me the run around. These bitches be flicking their photos. I keep on my f***s on the Lolo. I might hit up Lolo cause it's been a minute. I need some waffles, some Kool-Aid and chicken. I need commitment, some loving and vision. I hold the money and she hold the pistol. Yeah, that's my partner, man. She know the vision. We multiply and won't be no division. You hear the sirens, we killing it. Girl, we on fire, we militant. We getting high as the ceilings and we stack them digits religiously. They can't put it into our energy, really. Act like they don't know they
U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo GOAT G-O-A-T Acronym Stands for Greatest of All Time 
As in, spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. I adopted Bento in 2010 from a shelter. A lot of people know him as Keyboard Cat. That's just one adoption story that started at a shelter. Visit theshelterpetproject.org to find a pet near you. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Right on cue radio. Welcome back. Welcome back. I am your host, DJ Dream, and you are listening to the Dream with Reem show on Right on Cue Radio. I am back now with my special guest, Lily Walford. Lily is an international dating coach who has partnered up with a world leader in behavioral profiling and in social engineering. Lily has been focused on how busy professionals can date successfully and safely using CIA level behavioral psychology, profiling, and even body language so that her clients can enjoy undeniable love that lasts. She is going to help us identify how to identify a narcissist, how to detect a lie detector or a liar, (laughs) and how to decode an online dating profile. That one I'm really excited about because I actually just activated a dating profile. So (laughs) (laughs) So please, please welcome Lily to the show. Thank you. Thank you for the lovely welcome. And yeah, we've got some juicy topics to really dive into. (laughs) I love the fact that you've already got your online dating profile up and ready. So um, uh, yes. Yeah, so I'm I'm ready to learn what to look for with these. uh, these. I already had somebody um, tell me that I have the face of the girl that he wants his baby or uh, his babies to look like, or he's something, something like that. And I was like, so I, re- I, resp- I responded back. I was like, I was like, oh, you're in luck. My eggs are for sale. You just need a surrogate. <laughs> That's amazing. And he replied back. I was just joking. I was just playing. I was just playing. I was like, okay, <laughs> you don't like my response. I was joking too. <laughs> oh my gosh, but what a message though. Okay, you've got the face. I was like, my babies to look like, yeah, that's some pretty intense, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be going towards him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm so excited about this topic and and how we can use the skills that you've learned to help us identify um, just characteristics in people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think um, it's, I think dating just in general has evolved just so, so much over the last sort of like, you know, 10 years you think about online dating you know 10 years ago it was this big taboo thing you know when you say when you get someone asking you how did you meet it was like oh do we tell them that we met online you know (laughs) 
Right, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, so it's interesting the way that it's um, developed and people are like, oh yeah, I met someone on Tinder. You know, people don't really care as much now. But the thing is, I think people's approach to dating hasn't really evolved with the way that they actually select the right partners for them. Because, you know, if you go back to, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know, you were kind of meeting people through your own social groups. So when you were meeting people, you were actually meeting people who are more in line with you because the people you hang around with often, you know, your friends, your closest friends often have similar beliefs and values as you. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're in this situation where you're meeting just absolutely everyone and anyone. And um, it's so much harder to call, you know, to rummage through all the different people it can definitely go into sort of online dating profiles and also how to fine tune your own to kind of help you find the right one as well so um yeah there's lots of things to talk about <laughs> but, but I know that you were quite keen as well to talk about narcissists because I think narcissists is such a huge topic at the moment is <laughs> It is. And, and a lot of my girlfriends are getting out of relationships with narcissists. And, um, I think one of the, the biggest things with narcissists and, and, and maybe we should actually even define what a narcissist is because mm-hmm. I don't even know if I really truly know what a narcissist is. And, um, hopefully I don't think I've had one in my, in my life. Otherwise maybe I would actually know what it is. So <laughs> let's, I guess let's start with just what, what is the definition? Like what is a nar- narcissist? Yeah. So a narcissist is someone who actually has no empathy and they tend to, I think this, this is quite interesting because most people tend to, to, when they think of a narcissist, they tend to think of the main type, which is like a grandiose narcissist. They love to be able to show off and it's all about them. They love to be the star of the show. So it tends to be someone who doesn't have any empathy. And also they tend to sort of use people. So they tend to manipulate people. You know, there's things like gaslighting, things about, um, you know, basically how to use someone as a resource that's how we tend to define a narcissist so and also true narcissist as well it's not about the person who kind of looks in the mirror and um you know loves themselves you know it's not like that at all it's about a person who's actually got the empathy part of the brain is actually underdeveloped and doesn't quite work properly so when you're asking someone to care about someone it's almost like asking a fish to walk it's not going to happen they can't think beyond themselves so with the two types, you tend to have um, the grandiose narcissist who tends to be all very about status. So every time that you talk to them, it's very much like, um, oh, well, that's nothing. I did this or I am this and I spoke to this celebrity and I've got this Ferrari and I went to Dubai and all these different things. With a covert narcissist, they love to play the hero. They love to play things where it's like, oh, I did all this for people. Oh, I don't think anyone really likes me. And they look for ways for, for people to feed their ego. So um, it's people, it's very interesting when you have a look at a covert narcissist because they tend to be a lot harder to detect as well. Yeah. Now with the, with the lack of empathy, what are signs of that? Because like the, the women that I, um, know that have been in narcissistic relationships, they, um, you know, they're very loving, they're very caring, which I think is something that narcissists feed on, but how Mm -hmm. do you, as somebody that's super caring, 
notice that somebody is not caring or showing yes. empathy? I love this question. There's a really great way, actually, that you can tell. So to give you a little bit of background, the way that we actually learn empathy is when we're a child, when we're a baby, and we mimic our parents' facial expressions. And that's how empathy is actually learned. You know, it's the mimicking of facial expressions. So when we have, um, you know, narcissists, they tend to struggle to really connect with people. So one of the best ways that you can actually tell if someone's a narcissist or not is tell them a really sad story or tell them something that's like really, really happy and see if they actually join in with that emotion with you. Mm-hmm. Now, some narcissists have learned, you know, if, if, they've, if you've got someone who's quite switched on, they will learn to mimic around the teenagers or around the 20 years. And there's still a way that you can tell if an emotion is genuine or not. And it's very, very simple. It's how the emotion leaves the face. So normal emotions will just gently fade away. But ones that are not genuine will just suddenly drop off the face. So for example, um, you know when you've like been at a party or something and there's someone at the party that you really don't like and all of a sudden um, they look over, you see them looking at you and they smile and you smile back at them and as soon as you turn your head, that smile just drops, okay? And that just shows that you had an ingenuine emotion. So when we're looking at a narcissist, if suddenly like, okay, they don't show an expression or they show an expression and it drops straight off the face and that, or they take the conversation at a completely different angle, that's a really, really good sign. So that's, that tends to be the major one that I look out for. The other one, which is a very common one, is, and this comes from, um, I think it's Gavin Becker who wrote this book called The Gift of Fear. And I genuinely believe that everyone should read this book. What was it The Gift of Fear? The Gift of Fear. And he actually d- used to do all the security for the White House. So he's a very, very interesting person. But one of the things he used to say, the major red flags is if that person can't take no for an answer. Mm. If you say, no, I don't want to go on that date or no, I don't want to see you again. And it's push, 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 push. That tends to give you a bit of an indication that that person does not, you know, respect your boundaries and not looking at your point of view. Um, And they're not really caring about your well-being. It's all about them. Okay. And it can be something really simple as well. It can be like, no, I don't want to see you tonight, but I'll see you tomorrow. No, I really want to see you tonight. It can be things like that as well, where they're just pushing for the sake of pushing. Because what we find of narcissists is they're looking for either status. So where they can be pushed up, like, you know, their ego can be fed or they look for power. How can I control you? How can I control this situation? How can I feel just in control in general? And they often do this. And in a couple dynamic, there's a few ways that you can actually play around with the control. One's money. And um, the other one is um, uh, emotions. And, um, you know, physically as well. And also sex. So they tend, it tends to fall in those kind of categories. So it's either like the financial dynamic can be really interesting. So you've seen how people can financially abuse. You can see how people can emotionally abuse. So suddenly retract from the relationship. Because we tend to find that narcissistic relationships have the highs and they have the lows. Mm. And the highs tend to be really, really high. 
and then the lows become like really, really low. But because of these spikes, it becomes addictive. So people stay in those relationships and don't really understand why. And it's due to the chemicals that get released in the brain whilst they're on those highs. And these chemicals that get released are more addictive than a class A drug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when people need, you know, have people go, oh, why didn't you leave? If it was that bad, why didn't you leave? Well, that's the reason why they're addictive. And then, um, like I said, you tend to have like the, um, uh, you know, they tend to use sex as well as power. So whether that's them going off and having affairs or whether, and this tends to be quite a common one as well, or whether they suddenly sex starve their relationship as well. So mm-hmm. it tends to be, de- you know, two different ways that they choose to control their relationship as well. Would they also um, dominate in the bedroom as well? They can, or- yeah, they're more, they're more likely to dominate just because, again, it's status and power. Mm. yeah which is very interesting (laughs) (laughs) okay I'm trying to wrap my head around I'm trying to think I don't I don't think any well I mean I guess the behaviors you're you're saying we all do those sometimes but it would just be the difference between us doing it randomly occasionally versus constantly that's our yeah our 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 (laughs) go-to operating (laughs) Yeah, because it's like silly things. Like if you're in a conversation with a narcissist, the conversation won't be, uh, won't really ping pong. It will literally just always come back to them. So, you know, you could go, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm a nurse. And they go, oh, that's nothing. I'm a doctor. Or I know a friend who's a doctor, da, 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 da. And they have to literally prove themselves in that kind of context, okay, and bringing it back to them. So that tends to be really, really interesting um uh, and also just the fact with the boundaries element they have to really really push another thing that um that happens as well due to them pushing that relationship is the relationship tends to go really fast with a narcissist so because of the love bombing and all those different things at the very beginning where things almost feel like the fairy tale you usually find that people tend to move in together really quickly they tend to get engaged really quickly and the relationship can fizzle out just as quick. And uh, it's very interesting when um, those relationships break up as well, especially if it's the uh, the empath in that relationship that breaks up the relationship. Mm. The narcissist will actually continually to do something called hoovering. So what will happen is um, they'll kind of leave that person dangling um, and they'll constantly reach out to them like, oh, this is my favorite. You know, do you remember this sad song? <laughs> or I miss you. I'm nothing without you. Or, you, you know, you get all these weird things to literally pull up the heartstrings of an empath. Mm. So, um, but it's, yeah, it's very, very interesting. But like I said at the very beginning as well with narcissists, because there's no empathy, you think about when we truly connect and have a fantastic conversation um you know there's that empathy there's that connection through that empathy so when you don't have that from one side the narcissist isn't getting any empathy or any connection from the relationship or the interaction with people it's purely being able to see someone as a resource okay it's almost like okay you're my fuel to be able to big up my ego you're my thing that I'm able to control. You're my plaything, or um, you're my thing to go and show off to my boss. Because <laughs> you often find as well with um, narcissists, they tend to be in positions of power as well. So it's like you know, you tend to have um, you know 
directors, you tend to have police officers, people who love to be able to exert. Lawyers tend to be another one as well. There's a brilliant book um, written called Snakes and Suits that tends to go in those dynamics. And then you have the step up from the narcissist, which is a psychopath as well. Mm. So often you have um, a psychopath who tends to tend to be in those positions as well, which is, yeah, again, very, very interesting. Now, with with all of the the knowledge that we know about characteristics and people and stuff, how do these people with, um, you know, psychopaths and narcissistics, how do they still like of all are like are they're still in our community and they're in in powerful positions um is that because they're letting letting each other in like but but if if we if we know that that these because being around a narcissist describing your description of one I would be like I wouldn't want to hang out with them so how are people hanging out long enough with these people Yes, I love this. It's so, so true. The truth is with, with narcissists and psychopaths, they are so charismatic, okay? They know how to literally draw people in and they're natural leaders in that way. The, also, the thing that we find of narcissists is they won't have any close friends. They'll always hold people at a distance. So even if you get close to a narcissist, you'll never be able to get too close to see the vulnerabilities, Okay, like it's a superficial facade that they be able, they're able to keep on. So with that, it's it's easier for them to lead and get into those positions of power. And even if you think about, um, you know, the corporate world in general, the corporate world, the environment of it, and the culture of it in most places, even though it's starting to evolve now, is very narcissistic. And those narcissistic behaviors are, um, you know, praised. You know, when you think about it, you go into a business, you go into a new, um, you know, new company, and it's like, okay, these are the values and the beliefs of the company. This is the mission of the company. You have to put the company first, but beyond yourself. You know, how many people are praised for being sick and going into work? <laughs> you know, um, you know, you think about the people who love to be able to stay late to serve the company. Um, uh, you know, despite not being paid. You know, it's all these different things. And you think about that, if that was a relationship and we saw that as a, as, as a you know, a romantic relationship, we would be turning around to someone and saying, you need to get out. You know, you're giving your all to this person. You're not giving to yourself. You haven't got the, um, the ability to speak out if it's outside the company or the boyfriend's beliefs or, you know, girlfriend's beliefs. You do have female narcissists too. Um, so it's very interesting how also people who have been in like narcissistic relationships will actually go and seek out a job that kind of fulfills those narcissistic needs as well. So it's very, very interesting how we play out the patterns um, uh, to, you know, keep ourselves in those kind of patterns of control with narcissistic people or cultures. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So they're very sneaky. Um, okay. So, so in just a, I guess, so this narcissist would then mostly be like, if you're trying, it, it, uh, do they, do they affect people as much in just casual interactions? Like, you know, just random phone calls or like you walk into a business. Um, can they have like a strong effect on people? just in that quick split second? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. So one thing I'll, I'll sort of point out, so I know I've sort of mentioned, you know, women and men can be narcissists. We tend to find more um, male narcissists because I think, um, you know, more men are sort of like the grandiose type of narcissist. But I want you to think about the alpha male. Okay, because women, you know, if you're a straight woman, you love an alpha male. Yeah. Okay, you don't look for this, you know, the, the, the weak guy, you look for the strong guy, because you think, okay, you know, biology is going, well, that's the best chance to go and have um, babies with that person, they're going to be healthy babies, and they, he's going to be the great protector. Okay, that's what you look, we look for. The facade of a narcissist who's kind of got that grandiose behaviors is mimicking, is mimicking the alpha male. So automatically for women, it's like, oh, great. This is an alpha male. It's the perfect person to go and have babies with. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's not exactly the, the, the case, you know, but, um, but they mimic those kind of traits, which allows us to go, okay, I can trust this person. Or I want to, you know, as a man, you know, another man, they'd be like, okay, I want to be this person. I can follow this person because they're mimicking these alpha male traits. Mm. And I, I definitely get that or can see that because um, for me, especially, I, I have a very masculine energy and presence. Um, and so, yeah, I have to have a, a guy that can, I guess, outman out me. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that you've like, you picked up on that as well, because what I tend to hear from a lot of um, relationship and dating coaches, it might work for some, but it just don't, it just, I don't agree with it at all. Is they go, um, oh, you need to become more feminine, you know, feminine. So he can be more masculine. No, if you're quite a dominant person, you need a guy who's going to be able to handle you and handle you in that masculine. Because the truth is, if they can outmasculine you, they're going to be able to handle you and you're going to be able to respect them as a partner. And if you don't have that there, you're not going to feel the chemistry. You're not going to feel the passion. You're not going to feel the excitement of being with that person. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that's where I'm at is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I also do need to be a little bit more feminine. <laughs> Honestly, I think the truth is when you, you'll notice when you end up going on a date and you meet someone who's truly in their masculine, you will not be able to control it. You will suddenly go into the giddy little girl in that on that date. Exactly. And it's literally just the feelings, the feeling of those polarities. So if you suddenly go on a date and you think, oh gosh, this guy's got no masculinity and you're going, oh, I'll be in my feminine. It will feel so wrong it won't work. <laughs> and plus it's faking it. It's like, you know, it's going, Oh, let's, let's create a genuine relationship. Um, whilst I'm not actually being genuine myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's one, one of the, the biggest things that, um, you, you like right now is, um, really knowing what I want and being clear yes. on that and knowing that kind of, you know, like not taking a, a guy's, uh, continuous pursuit as a reason to just connect with them. Um, mm. because the compatibility for me is really, really key. And, um, you know, just because I might be attracted to you doesn't mean that we're going to be good together. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I love that because one of the things I focus on with my clients is I'll, I'll actually take them through the compatibility matrix. And the main reason that I do that is because it's the difference of having a long lasting relationship or a short one. 
exactly it's like um it's almost like going like okay if you're going to go and um, share a taxi with someone you're not going to go okay well that ta- you know this person wants to go to australia and this person wants to go to london and uh <laughs> let's jump in a taxi together it's never going to work because the taxi is not going to be able to go in both directions at the same time or it's going to drag the person further away from where they want to go mm-hmm. so um it's really important to actually be in a relationship where you can go in the same direction. It doesn't have to be exactly the same as long as it's kind of the same rough direction. And also it gives you the space to grow without feeling that you have to self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are like, oh yeah, compromise. Compromise sounds great. No, <laughs> I really it, don't believe it's, that. Well, it's compromise, but not. It, it, but it's not compromising your like ethics or your values or your whatever compromise is more like today I'm we're going to do what you want to do and tomorrow we're going to do what I want to do but they're both on the same wavelength that we're both headed towards you just might not really like doing this activity and that also goes to where um, a lot of people think that their partner has to be everything to them and that they can't have a relationship with somebody (laughs) else whether it's another male if or another female but like I don't want to hang out with you all the damn time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think this, I think I love the fact that you brought this up because it's so true. You're not going to have one person to fulfill every freaking need that you've got. It's like, well, you know, let's say you really enjoy, um, I don't know, flower arranging. I don't know why I've just brought that up. I don't really like flowers. but uh, Let's say that, that, you know, you love flower arranging and your partner hates it. It's like, well, what's the point of actually dragging him along to go and do flower arranging if he's going to be miserable, not enjoy it, and it's going to affect your day? It's, it's like, going to affect the relationship. Exactly. So it's being able, and that, this is why I don't like compromise as much. It's like, you know, if that's not going to work, great, go and take someone else, whether it's another, you know, a friend or family or whoever, you know, someone who's going to enjoy that with you. Now, I don't believe in compromise, but what I do believe in is um, collaboration Mm. and collaboration is very different because it focuses on the best outcome for the pair of you as individuals and Mm. also for the relationship now like um, a really stupid one like a stupid example of this and this is just gonna sound so pathetic but it's like you know it's the mundane stuff that really matters in a relationship right But (laughs) but my partner and I we've just recently moved house and um, uh, I've been, you know, when you have to sort of go into the kitchen, you have to rearrange it, you know, rearrange your kitchen. It's like, okay, where's this going to go? Where's that going to go? So um, spent, you know, a few hours arranging the kitchen and putting everything in the right kind of place. And uh, went off afterwards, did a few different jobs. And I've got this thing where, you know, if you have food, you can't have dishes and food in the same cupboard. Okay, you can't. It's just, it's my rule. I can't do it. It's really pathetic, I know, but it's just my rule. <laughs> and uh, I went to go and make a cup of tea and I've opened up this cupboard and um, got the tea, coffee. And then on the next shelf down, there's mugs. And I'm like, oh, what are the bugs doing? That I put them in this cupboard over here. So he didn't want them in that cupboard because it's too far away from the, cat- and from the kettle because it's further down the kitchen. I didn't want it in the in the same cupboard because I just think I don't agree with it. So we just literally moved the cups into the next cupboard next to it. And like I said, it's a really pathetic example, but it's like being able to find the sweet spot of what you're both happy with 
It's like, okay, the, cu the cups are close to the kettle, which was important to my, my other half. And, um, you know, the cups are in a separate cup uh, cupboard to the tea and coffee. <laughs> right. And that's, and that's what I needed. And we're both happy with that. And it's like, no one's going, oh, well, I didn't want it that way. No one's getting upset or anything like that. We've both got the outcome that we, we, we wanted. I think that's the important part of collaboration. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know it's a really pathetic example, but you know. <laughs> no, but, but you know, like, but that's, those are the, the little things that make, that cause fights. And it's because the, because the bottom line is, is usually people are not trying to find a solution. They're just like, no, this is how I want it. And you don't want to do what I want to do. And the yes. other person is like, yeah, but this is not how I want it versus Hey, why, what's the problem with it? Let's find out what the issue is. And yes. then same with him. What's the issue. And then let's fix the issue. Not the fact that it's in this cupboard or whatever it's, you know, and so, yeah, the perfect, you know, collaboration is move it one cupboard and it's not in your cupboard and it's still not far away from the kettle. Um, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> I know and it's it is it's like just finding that sweet spot because you know and also it's the mundane rubbish as well that tends to go with them relationships because people tend to look at a relationship or look at a marriage and they tend to go okay well it needs to be this we need to go on holiday all the time and we need to be in this amazing loved up state it's like no actually a lot of it is being able to do the mundane stuff together and feel happy Mm -hmm. and um yeah there's, there's so many things where I find especially with lockdown people have really struggled with that dynamic and a big part of where people have struggled I mean I've just recently um, put, put out a blog post around um should I stay or should I go because mm. a lot of couples are wondering whether to break up right now and I don't know if you found that a lot of your friends have suddenly broken up and got back together and all these different things but what we tend to find is when we've had couples who have had that time where they've been stuck in each other's pockets, they're stuck so much in the mundane that they've not been used to it. And also they've also gone into that codependency because they've been stuck in that um, relationship where they've been stuck together for all that time. And they also take each other for granted. Mm -hmm. Now there's a few different things that kind of happen when you're stuck around your partner all the freaking time. And what it is, is it stops us from desiring. We don't have the time to miss someone. And the other thing is as well, we've got nothing to say to them because we haven't been out and actually had different experiences and had your own life apart. And it, it basically causes this thing called enmeshment. Okay, codependency is a form of enmeshment. And basically, it means you kind of blend yourselves together, which can cause some huge issues. Because at the end of the day, in a relationship, you're your own person, they're their own person, and you need the ability to the, well, the, the room to be able to grow, because that's what a healthy relationship is. Mm -hmm. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. When you when you haven't done anything, and you've been in the same house all day, what are you guys going to talk about? Unless the cat, <laughs> the cat did something. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> oh, I love that. All right. We are going to take a quick little break. And when we come back, we are going to dive more into how we can discover if somebody is lying to us and possibly going through and figuring out how to determine if a dating profile 
has a narcissist or not. So we will be back talking to Lily on the other side of this break. You are listening to the Dream with Reem show on Right on Q Radio. Right on Q Radio. Why should you volunteer with Meals on Wheels? I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council.
Jewel upon it, jewel upon it, jewel upon it now. What is we gon' do? What are we gon' do? Nothing but stick up, stick up, right. Stop what you're doing, me to death. Make a move or slide to the left. You at recess, we too grown for games. Tired of telling you the same thing. From this day to that day to next day to payday. From up, down, left, right, yeah, we on. From city to city, from coast to coast. Time zone to time zone, y'all be doing the most. Special 
and tropical Baby, you're my sunset Flaming and golden You're my art in motion Baby, you're my sunset You got me paralyzed Your love I can't deny Baby, you're my sunset You're my everything And everything is perfect Wonderful, special, and tropical. Baby, you're my sunset. Flaming and golden, you're my art in motion. Baby, you're my sunset. You got me paralyzed, your love I can't deny. Baby, you're my sunset. You're my everything, and everything is perfect. Right on cue, radio. What's love? 
Long ago, you wouldn't think of galloping on a horse while doing calligraphy, and you wouldn't have attempted to ride your bike while typing a letter. Yet you think you can safely operate a multi-ton vehicle while texting? Behind the wheel is no place to multitask. If you want to BRB, drive now and text later. Lives depend on it. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. When might you be buzzed? When you suddenly love everything. You guys, I love this song. I love these nachos. I love our kickball league. Oh, I love this guy. What's your name? You know what I love? A ride when it's time to head out. If you see a buzzed warning sign, call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. I love your car. Is this real leather? Right on cue, radio. <laughs> welcome back. Welcome back. I am your host, DJ Dream, and you are listening to the Dream with Reem show on Right on Cue Radio. I am back now with my guest, Lily Walford. Lily, as an international dating coach using CIA level behavioral profiling and even body language to help her clients. Find joy and unbeatable love that lasts. In the last segment, we have been chopping it up and finding out how to identify a narcissist and how to um, use collaboration versus compromise in your relationship. So please welcome Lily back to the show. Hey, Lily. Hey, yeah, I've been going into some very juicy topics. <laughs> yeah, and I would love to give, have you give us a little recap of what we've been going over, and then um, we'll continue on from there. Yeah, so obviously we've been going through the nar- like what a narcissist actually is, uh, because there's so many uh, buzzwords out there at the minute, and narcissists tend to be a massive one within the dating and relationship industry. So a true narcissist is someone who actually has um, the empathy part of their brain is underdeveloped. Uh, great ways to actually tell if someone's a narcissist, they do not take no for an answer. They struggle to show true empathy. And we kind of went through the difference between authentic and inauthentic facial expressions. We also went into the different types of narcissists. So grandiose narcissists, which tend to be the ones who love the status and love to be quite um, extroverted. And then we also have the covert narcissists. It's a little bit harder to detect. They tend to be like a little bit in the pity party, like the poor me's. And they love to be able to be, you know, pushed up together, um, uh, the, you know, through that kind of pity need. Like, oh, yes, you're brilliant. You're marvelous. You, you should believe in yourself more and all these different things. Um <laughs> 
And then we went into, we talked a lot about compromise because I think uh, that tends to be a huge word again within relationships. And personally, from my experience, I hate the word compromise because it means that someone's sacrificing something within their lives. And I personally believe in collaborating because it means that you get what you want, your partner gets what what they want, and also it just benefits the relationship as a whole. So you can actually work together really well as a couple. Um, Yeah, so from there... The nice thing is the collaboration piece is something that I've put into my four C's framework. Now, the four C's is all about creating a healthy relationship. And it's quite funny because this is something that I personally created after studying relationships for probably just over 10 years now. So when we have a look at a relationship, a healthy relationship, it needs all of these four things. So if you have a look at your past relationships, you probably find that one or all of these things were missing. So when we have a look at the four C's, we have communication, we have collaboration, we have consideration, and we also have compatibility. We kind of touched a little bit on um, compatibility, but we'll kind of go into that a little bit deeper later on. Um, uh, But we did sort of cover and touch collaboration slightly, which is brilliant. Um, It's quite interesting as well. One thing that people don't think of when it comes to collaboration is accountability. Because I I tend to find as well with relationships, you usually have like one partner who tries to be responsible for the whole relationship, like the well-being of it. (laughs) My (laughs) ex-husband was like that. He always thought that he had to make sure that I was happy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, trying to be in charge of someone's happiness. Wow. I mean, that's a big job, especially if I can, you know, know, um, for me, I remember being in a relationship and my partner was continually like just depressed. And it was like, okay, I felt it was my job or I thought it was my fault that he was depressed. I took on that responsibility, um, which can be so interesting. But the true thing about healthy um, collaboration is you being accountable for your sides, your emotions, your actions, your, you know, your everyday, everyday life, your independence. And they are also accountable for their side. So when we actually go ahead and do the collaboration piece, I mean, for example, we use the coffee, the coffee cups and the tea and everything in the previous <laughs> segment. <laughs> but if suddenly my partner said, well, I didn't put the cups in there, we're going to really struggle to collaborate on that. So it's like being accountable for those actions. So again, if, if suddenly we had an, um, a disagreement about, um, I don't know, I can't believe you said that. And you go, well, I didn't say that. You know, you're going to struggle to collaborate together. Mm-hmm. And the other side, again, like we kind of touched on with the happiness side of things, you can't be in charge of someone's happiness because it's just impossible. And trying to be in a relationship with that kind of person where they're not accountable for themselves will end up sucking at the other person's resources. So whether that's kind of like, you know, money, emotions, um, uh, you know, stability, whatever it might be, it will suck away at the other partner. So we often find the personal weaknesses of each individual is the weakness of the relationship. Mm. It's very interesting. So, yeah, I'm trying to think what we were going to go into <laughs> go into next. I feel like I've gone in a little bit of a tangent. I love all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> one topic, um, well, we were talking about the four C's, but one of the things that I'm really um, – 
Well, communication and compatibility, but compatibility really, really, really is, I think, the biggest one for me, um, because there's really no point in communicating or collaborating if there's no compatibility. And I think that's one of the, like, especially with dating is, um, again, because I, I kind of know what I want or what I'm looking for in a partner, because I've kind of gone through my trials and tribulations. <laughs> <laughs> And so at least I have kind of a, a guideline of what, I, what I'm looking for. Of course, it's not like, you know, etched in stone. However, there are definitely people that um, are trying to contact me where I can just see based on certain things. Like I am not a drinker. If you have on your dating profile that you heavily drink, like we're not compatible. It yes. doesn't matter if every other piece of the puzzle connects. We're not compatible. And um, that's, I think, one of my biggest things. Maybe these guys are narcissists and maybe that's why they're like this. But when I try to let guys know, like, hey, like we can be friends or we can hang out and do things, but like there's not going to be more than that because of specific things. And um, so, yeah, I would love to know more about like compatibility. <laughs> yeah, well, I love taking people through a compatibility matrix. So when I work with people, this is something that we really double down on. Because the nice thing is when you actually understand who you're compatible with, it's easier to recognize them and also know where to look for them as well, whether that's online or organically. So there's six main areas. And it's quite funny you're saying about the drinking part, because one of the um, areas is lifestyle. It's like, what's your lifestyle? You know, is it, um, you know, you kind of go out drinking? Is it you go to the gym all the time? You know, what is it? Because if you've got two opposing lifestyles, it's going to be really hard to do the mundane together. So I love the fact that you've already picked that up. Um, another one as well is goals. What's your like, you know, your goals as an individual and also for the relationship. So for example, if it's like, okay, I want to go and live in a different country and the other person's like, well, I want to live around the corner from parents. It's probably not, not going to work. work. <laughs> um, and also one that tends to come up a lot is also the relationship goals. So it's like going into things like, okay, do you want to get married? Do you want to have kids? And if you've got someone who's, I see this so many times, um, you know, someone who goes, oh, I want to have kids. And the other person goes, no. And they get together and they stay together for, you know, three, four, five, six years. And then the one gets mad that the other one doesn't want kids. It's like, where the yes. hell have you been? Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's kind of having a look at those kind of elements. Um, and the thing is, as well, when you have a really strong indication of that, you can look at an online dating profile and just know from seeing that if that person's in line with you. So for example, if you're an introvert um, and you love having nights in and, and, and being um, you know, in solitude more of the time, be a bit of a hermit, well, someone who's going to have pictures of all their friends all in every single photo, probably going to, you know, it's probably not going to be right for you. Um, uh, you know, when you think about things like, um, you know, interests, well, if you see someone who's playing the guitar all the time and you're someone who, you know, really loves rock music, we're well, probably going to hit it off really, really well. You've already got something to go ahead and talk about. And this is another part of the compatibility matrix that I talk about is, is interests. It's like, what's the thing? If you could go ahead and talk about for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, what is it? And why isn't it on your profile? Because <laughs> often... 
Like I remember having one client and uh, she was kind of complaining to me around like, oh, you know, online dating, it just doesn't work for me. And this and I said, right, okay, so let's have a look at your profile. What's going on? She goes, oh, I haven't really done much of my profile. My friend kind of put it together for me, da, 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 da. I said, okay, so let's have a look at it. And it's basically a picture of her having a few drinks out in a bar and um, a che- I can't remember the, the line of, in her bio, but it was something kind of cheeky referring to going off for a drink. I'm sort of looking at that. I'm thinking, okay, as a guy, if I'm looking at that, is that serious um, commitment material? Right. Probably not. And also, does that actually tell me who she is? No. So when I actually spoke to her and I said, right, what's the thing that you love to talk about? She goes, oh, I love talking about history. You know, there's certainly certain books that I love, certain part of history that I absolutely love to talk about. And I know all this, da, da, da. And she starts going into it. And it's like, oh, brilliant. Okay. Why isn't that in, in your profile that you love, you know, certain part of history? Another lady I spoke to, um, oh gosh, she's so, so lovely. Um, I was chatting to her and she's like, oh, well, um, uh, you know, I'm getting a lot of people talking to me on my profile, but no one who's right for me. And I said, okay, well, tell me about your profile. She goes, well, I've actually just started, um, I think I'm going to get this wrong. She's, I've actually just started going down the, I think it's a vicar. So I'm not very religious. So you have to excuse me. But she's like, okay, I, I wasn't sure whether to put a picture of me with my dog collar on and put that on my profile. It's like, well, yeah, if that's a big part of your life and that's a big part of what you do and what you believe in, yes. Put it on your profile because what we tend to find is so many people will actually try and put a profile out there that's going to try and adhere to everyone. Well, it's, it's sort of similar to like um, like uh, having just a social media profile. It's like you're putting out there what you think people want. Yes. And then when, when you're getting the wrong feedback back, like the wrong guys asking you out, then it's like, well, yeah, like you're saying, well, look at what you're putting out into the universe. And you're getting exactly what you're putting out. Yes. And there's a deeper element. I don't know how deep you kind of want to go. Oh, go, go for it. But it's like, um, okay, how secure is that person in their identity if they can't show up of who they are? Exactly. Yeah. And this is the important part. Because if you're not strong within who you are, if you don't believe in who you are, that has a huge impact on the way that your relationships go, the way that you connect to your life, the way that you connect to yourself and the way that you connect to others. Because you can only connect as deeply as you are connected to yourself as that, that you connect, connect to someone else, okay? And, and vice versa. If they're not very connected to themselves, you're going to struggle to connect with them. So, and, and there's also this other saying, because this is a part of the reason why I created um, the desired approach. And the tagline is, before you can have, you must become. Mm. and the reason behind this is not because you know you need to become someone who's like you know this grandiose facade that's not really you and faking it no not at all it's about it's about becoming more of who you are because the truth is I know if you want the kind of the science bit behind it is you know those programs where you have like people who've lost like a hundred or 150 pounds in weight and, uh, you know, you think, wow, they look amazing by the end of the series. And then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go and, um, you know, go on Facebook. And then all of a sudden you see, um, I don't know, biggest loser, you know, look at where they are now. And you think, wow, okay, they've suddenly put on all that weight. 
again, because it hasn't reached their identity level. They haven't become a skinny person within their identity. It's also the same with millionaires, people who win the lottery. I think they did a study where they followed those people for five years. Yeah. And they just literally, they go broke, they go bankrupt. And, um, you know, I think it's like, is it 60 something, 67% of them, you know, it's not even small number. It's Mm -hmm. a big number. And again, you know, if, if they're not in that state of, okay, I need to be scarce with scarcity of money, or I've got to overspend, or I've got to do this, and they're not the millionaire within their minds, they're going to blow it, they're going to self-sabotage it. And it's the same with relationships. If you have it in your head that you're not worthy of love, or you'll never meet the right one, or you'll never be able to have a partner who commits, you're not, you're not being the person that you need to be to be able to have those standards Because when we talk about identity, you think about the difference within standards that you have for yourself if you're at your lowest, when you're at your, you know, your best, you know, your highest kind of potential. It's very, very different to what you will accept. And I totally see that right now because back in the day, I would, you know, if a guy showed me attention, I'd be like, oh, okay, okay. But now it's like, no, like just because you're showing me attention, it's like, no, like, are we compatible? Do we do this? Like, can we hang out? Like, do you make me laugh? Like, yeah. <laughs> do yeah. I make you laugh? Like, <laughs> yeah. And it becomes, you know, you become more important in the relationship. It's no longer, oh, I hope they like me. It's like, well, actually, can I see myself with this person? Would this person fit in with my life? And that's a very different energy when it comes to dating. And uh, you know, it's quite funny. I'm going to bring in another analogy, but I just realized it's another one around tea and coffee. Is that like really British or I don't know? (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) But basically, um, I've got a friend when she comes over, you know, I mean, it's going to sound awful. I'm not really a coffee snob. And don't get me wrong, I can appreciate a good cup of coffee, but I'm happy with instant. I I know that's like really, really wrong, but who cares? So, you know, when I make myself a coffee, it's like, yep, yeah, cool. Thing of instant, boiling up water, a bit of t- cold water on top. I like my coffee black. And, uh, but when my friend comes over, it's like, wow, okay. So she likes to have proper coffee. So we've got the decaf here. We've got the, um, the ground coffee beans or whatever it is. You know, the milk goes in the microwave. So it's heated up and it's like oh, this big, massive ritual to make a blinking coffee. <laughs> and it made me think, it was like, okay, so why am I okay with instant and I'm still happy to go ahead and make her coffee like that Mm. and it's really simple it's because she'll be happy enough to do it for herself now if she wasn't happy to do that for herself chances are if someone turned around to me and said oh can I have my coffee like this I'd be like well if you're just happy with instant at home no you can go away (laughs) go back to your own home and make your own Because what we do is by treating ourselves in the right way, we give people permission to treat us in that way as well. Okay, when you think about dating, that has a huge impact on the type of people that we end up connecting with and also the level of commitment that we get as well because there's an expectation there, there's a standard set. So, um, uh, yeah, it just changes the dynamic. But another thing, kind of going back to the online dating profiles on narcissists, there's actually a really cool way that you can see. Um, it's actually a, a, the correlation actually is only within uh, male profiles, not female profiles. But with uh, male profiles, if you want to see if someone's a narcissist or not, there's a high correlation 
that if a guy has got a filter on his photos, um, on his dating photos or his social media, that he's a narcissist. And that's been on Psychology Today. I can't remember the person who actually did the study. But um, uh, but women, I think it's okay because women usually tend to do makeup. I'm sort of looking at the logic behind it. So women love to be able to make themselves pretty. But with men being able to put filters and stuff, they're not showing showing up as themselves. Okay, they're not showing up as who they would be in person. Now, how does that work? Because like every single freaking app that takes a damn picture or that you upload to, Mm-hmm. You can do whether it's like put sunglasses, you know, put on not even sunglasses, but like fake glasses or like put like hearts around you. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I think even my profile picture has like stars, but there's no like it's not a filter of my face. But, it, you know, like so how how does that uh, applying that to a day and age where almost everybody uses a filter? Yeah, well, it's funny. It's just literally the correlation is just with men. Okay. So just with men who put those kind of filters on. So um, uh, I don't know too much about the study. I know it was done. It was conducted by um, someone who put the post on Psychology Today. So if I find it, I'll send it over to okay. you. Okay. It's very interesting. But it's quite interesting that you mentioned about sunglasses as well. So what I tend to, to read from someone who, and this is male or female, people who tend to put the sunglasses on or put something to cover their eyes so they don't see their eyes on the photo and on the photos. And this is if they, if you don't see the photos, I'm sorry, if you don't see their eyes or face properly throughout the photos, is that person's quite emotionally unavailable. Okay, that person doesn't want to be seen. Okay, you're shutting that person out. And that's going to be really hard to really connect with that person. So the other thing as well, and this is like, if you take away anything, take away this bit, because this will almost give you the ability to save your own life. And it's the emotional range um, of someone's faces on their profiles. So if you think you're looking at someone and they've got, there's a few different ways that you can do this. If someone has the same type of face that's very kind of non-committed to whether they're smiling or not, you know, if someone's smiling through all their photos, fine. If someone's kind of just sort of staring and just doing like a slight smirk throughout their photos or just... You know the ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have like the sullen, sunken face. If they are like that all the way through their photos, chances are there's something going on there. You think about the empathy part, that can be a dangerous personality type. So I've actually had someone reach out to me before now and go, hey, Lil, you know, this is the guy that I'm thinking tonight about meeting tonight. And they'll send me like a picture and I'll be like, okay, send me two more pictures because I'm a bit concerned about this one. And I will actually turn around to them and say, you do not go and see that person. I'm going to start sending my pictures to you. (laughs) Good. (laughs) But I will literally say to them, don't go and see that person. Now, it's quite interesting as well, because we actually did, the way we kind of found this out is we had someone on our team called Ben Cardle, and he's like brilliant at being able to read things at an insane level. Like, for example, he did a seminar that was four hours on how to tell someone's personality by their pen. Okay, it's just freaking insane the stuff he knows, and we like not not writing, just like the pen that they're using. Just the pen. So four hours on just the pen that that person has. What if we all have the same pen? Ah, well, I have to watch the seminar. (laughs) 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 I didn't ask him, but um, what I did do 
though it was we kind of like thought we'd test him out because he did a really cool training on um for us around reading dating profiles so um before we took him on to do that we found an online dating profile of a murderer and um uh, you know did some pretty horrendous stuff and we managed to get his plenty of fish dating profile the pictures that he put you know his bio everything so we sent over these um i think it was just three photos and um, uh, literally sent it over WhatsApp. And within a few seconds, we got this voice note back. It's quite funny, you listen to the voice note and you've got water dripping in the background because he's in the bath. You know, this is insane, <laughs> this conversation is. And it was literally, he did a three minute spiel of, okay, this person's got dead eyes. This person's got no emotional range. This person is married. This person is trying to appeal to um, children and younger people. Um, this person has violent tendencies. You know, it's, it's all these different things that he managed to pick up within that within those um, short moments. And when we when we said about um, you know wants to appeal to younger children or younger adults, this guy was actually a paedophile and actually murdered and raped a um, a young girl. And he was able to detect that from just a few photos within three minutes. Wow. So when we have a look at things like emotional range, super important, super, super important. Because the interesting thing about that guy as well, the guy, if you wanted to check him out, is called um, the, the psychopathic murderer, um, paedophile. His name was Michael Rafferty. <laughs> and, uh, but the interesting thing about him is before he committed that crime, he had no criminal record whatsoever because I know so many people try to do background checks on people and things like that. This person had no record of him doing absolutely anything before that time. Now, another scary fact is that online dating profiles, if they know that someone has a criminal record or anything like that, they will not take the dating profile down if it's brought to their attention. They will keep the dating profile up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Another, another crazy one is 50% um, of people are actually already in relationships when, you know, people are on dating sites. So 50% of them. So this is when we get the ghosting on all those different things. So this is where it becomes really important to be able to act from the truth. And this is why I love the lie detection. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought you'd get excited on that. So with this, um, uh, oh, I, I freaking love this. So let's say, okay, you've met someone, you've looked at the profile, and like, yes, okay, this person's, you know, passes um, with the compatibility matrix. So seem brilliant on all these different things, had a great conversation online, and we're going to meet for the first time, whether that's on a video call or whether that's in person. So there's a few things that you can tell with lie detection. So when we're actually looking at a person and we're trying to see if, if, they're, if they're lying or not, we're looking for something called an adrenaline spike. So when we lie, we literally have an adrenaline spike every time we lie. And what happens is when we have that adrenaline spike, we have to exert it in some sort of way. Okay, we need to literally release it from the body. You think about things like trauma and stuff, you know, animals in the wild, they have to shake out trauma. Yeah. We need to release stuff from our bodies. Um, another thing around communication, you know, words are only 7% of our communication, tonality is 38%, and then 55% is body language. 
So you think about how much we're missing if we're just relying on, you know, words and conversation. So when we're having a look at someone, if someone's lying or not, first thing we need to do is do something called baselining. What's this person's norm? Okay. So, you know, for example, um, I've got long hair. So what I tend to do a lot is move my hair a lot. <laughs> so if, um, you know, if, if you notice little things like that from the very beginning, just notice, okay, that's possibly a baseline or it could be a deviance. So just keep an eye on it. So what we're looking for is behavior that's that's um, going out of their normal behavior. So we'll kind of go for we're a looking for their telltale sign, like in, in poker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. well, the, well, the funny thing is, this has actually been used in poker and things like that. So, um, yeah. So, for example, so if I was going to say, yeah, do you know, what? we'll start off, we'll start off blink rate because blink rate's great. So when we actually read body language and we're looking for someone who's, who's going through that adrenaline spike, they've just told a lie. We're looking to read the behaviors in clusters. So I'm going to share five of these things with you. But if you were in a conversation with someone, I wouldn't be just looking for one thing. I would be looking for about two or, you know, for, for a better read, I'd be looking for three, three of these things at the same time. So number one, blink rate. So when we are in a, in a normal state, on average, we will blink 12 times a minute. When we are really in a conversation and we're really relaxed, it will go down to something like four blinks per minute. Okay, so if you're in a great conversation, great way to tell is if someone's blinking slowly. Now, if they are lying or they're feeling uncomfortable or they're feeling stressed, that blink rate will literally increase. It can also be that they're disinterested in the conversation as well. So if it starts to increase, look out for that and pair it up with something else. Another thing is lip compression. Now, lip compression is when we literally push our lips together for just a few seconds. So it's when we end a conversation and go, so it's like, oh, yeah, I had a great, you know, my job, my new job's going great. Okay. And when we purse our lips and push them together like that at the end of the sentence, this shows, um, I think Greg Hartley talks about when we do that, we are holding back something emotional. Mm. So Yeah. So women, especially, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Lips compressed, you know. <laughs> bite the tongue so that tends to be like a stress behavior as well we're holding back we're holding something in um another one and this is gonna sound a little bit rude this is one that chase is called <laughs> chase is named chase hughes so he's a world leader in behavioral profiling so um one of the things that he called to call him he's named it is object insertion now just don't put that into google for goodness sake right <laughs> <laughs> But this is when we put anything into our mouths, okay? So, like, for example, someone biting their pen, someone biting their hair, someone biting their nails, anything like that where they're trying to pacify themselves. You think of babies. They're trying to pacify, to self-soothe that adrenaline spike. So mm. that tends to be another great one. Now, the other one that I quite like is um, a digital extension and um, flexation. So when we are relaxed, our hands are more likely to be stretched out. Our fingers are stretched out. If we are not relaxed, we will bring our hands in. We'll bring those fingers into our palms, okay? 
So um, anything we notice there. So if you're talking to someone who's really stressed out and you see their hands are like this, if you start to talk to them and relax them, you can see how relaxed they become when they start to relax their hands. Okay, another great one, especially if you're like in a, on a date and you know, you're sitting at a table together. If that person suddenly leans back away from the conversation, they're not in the conversation anymore, their backs on the chair, they're literally like moving away from that conversation. So that can be a really good one as well. I'm trying to think how many I've shared now. Blink rate, lip compression, object insertion, digital flexation, and leaning back, call that's five. There's literally mm-hmm. so many different um, behaviors that you can go into, but I'll share those few with you. So imagine being on a date. And you go to that person, okay, I would love to have a long-term relationship, wouldn't you? And they go, yes. (laughs) And lean back. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They suddenly purse their lips at the end. They lean back. Their hands go, you know, the fingers go into their palms. You have just witnessed someone lying. Yes. And you think about it, when we are in that state of dating someone, especially someone that we really like, we're not looking for the things that saying that person's be, you know, being deceitful. We're looking for every reason for that person to go, yes, I'd love a relationship with you. So we hear that yes and go, oh yeah, that's what they really, really want. But actually their body language has just said no. Mm-hmm. And this is one thing I love about body language is it helps us to act from the truth. Because you, unless you're super tapped in, your body automatically reacts. Yes. There's no well, hiding no, you, The funny thing is, there's never any hiding it. Even, okay. even myself now, even though I know all the different tactics, if I'm lying, my body's going to go ahead and tell you that I'm lying. Okay. You, you literally can't control it. Because the funny thing is, especially the, the more away um, from the body you are from, you know, sorry, the more away from the head you are, the harder it is to control. So for example, for feet, fingers um, are going to be really hard to control. Facial expressions you can control quite easily. So for example, let's say I'm going to go and tell a lie. Well, my feet could be doing something. My Mm. arms could be doing something. You know, my fingers could be doing something or bringing those hands in. So not everything can be told, you know, even if you try and control it, it will just start to be exerted somewhere else. So it's very, very interesting. So I think as well, you know, being able to act from the truth can save you from so much pain, betrayal, you know, all those different things. Because often we find that when um, someone does something outside your expectations, it's never the act itself that hurts. It's always the fact that that person has deceived you. Right. So if you're able to actually tell that from the beginning, you're not going to go through that kind of um, that horrible shock pattern or end up in the wrong relationship. Yeah. Ah, love it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. Yes. Okay. We have covered a lot of stuff, <laughs> a lot of stuff. Um, what would be, I guess, one last thing that you would want to share with us? Yeah, well, I I would say that if you're looking to have a healthy relationship, whether you're single or in a relationship, a healthy relationship always starts with you. Do you have a healthy relationship with yourself? 
Because if you haven't got that, then it's really hard to create a healthy relationship from the wrong foundation. So ensure that you love yourself, you know that you're worthy of love so that you can fully enjoy it. Mm, Beautiful, beautiful. I want to make sure that our listeners know how to get a hold of you if they need to. I will have all her information on my Facebook page at Dream with Reem. But please share with the listeners how they can get a hold of you. Thank you. So um, you can check out our website. So that's lovewithintelligence.com. We're also on YouTube and we've also got, we're also on Facebook and on our website, we've got a load of free training. So you can't, if you want to learn more about the body language, if you want to learn more about the compatibility side of things, we've got great in-depth training on our website. Oh, I've had so much fun with you. <laughs> and I definitely, I'm, I'm going to start sending you pictures of my profile. <laughs> <laughs> yes, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so much fun with you, Lily. Um, I am definitely going to have you back on sometime soon. So let's stay contact in, in contact. <laughs> wow, thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. All right, guys, we are going to take another break and I will see you on the other side. You are listening to the Dream with Reem show on Right on Q Radio. Right on Q Radio.
Right on cue radio. Radio. 
Welcome back. Welcome back. I am your host, DJ Dream, and you are listening to the Dream with Dream show on Right on Q Radio. I want to thank my guest, Lily Walford, for joining me today. You can find her contact information on my Facebook page at Dream with Dream. I also want to thank all of the quality up-and-coming entertainers we had queued up today. We start the show off with Living in a Fantasy by Ronarx. It's the music that opens the show and sometimes plays in the background. The verse song set kicked off with Lion vs. Lion by Upright Lions. Then we had Wild Ones by Monique de France, featuring V the Rula. After that, we had New Shit by Downer. And we ended this song set with Booed Up by Ella Mai. Our second song set started with No Love by Carlos Cruz. Then we had Slide by Dimples Music featuring Soli. And we ended this song set with What's Love by YB Williams and Kenzie Rose. Our third song set started with Valentine by The Flow. Then it was Sweet Tooth by Vegas Chips. Black Suit by David Logic was next. And then we followed that with Strawberry Letter 23 by Brothers Johnson. 
We ended this song set with This Simple Pleasure by Billy Black. So thank you all for that wonderful music. Here on Right on Cue Radio, we feature music from quality up-and-coming entertainers just like you. So if you are a quality up-and-coming entertainer, and want your music featured on the radio for worldwide exposure, then what the heck are you waiting for? Send me your best quality music. Send your EPK kit, that's your electronic press kit, to epkdreammusic at gmail.com. Make sure you send us your best quality music in MP3 format only, with metadata, include a brief bio and headshot or album cover. We would love to get you queued up on our worldwide network. Again, my email address for your EPK kit submission is epkdreammusic at gmail.com. Remember to check out our other hosted shows here on the Right on Q Radio Network. We have hosted shows seven days a week for your listening pleasure. We play all genres of music, so you will definitely find a show you like. All right, guys, I am signing off for now. We are ending the show with What We Need Is Love by Open Strum. Thank you all for dreaming with me today. And remember to never be limited by logic and to always challenge the status quo. I look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, I love you and I'm with you.